0: da 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 disney time podcast hello everybody and welcome to the disney time podcast i'm your host micah and joining me today is my co-host rissa hello how's it going today rissa
1: Doing all right. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, so we are now at episode number 99.
1: Almost to that big 100.
0: Yeah, so that's exciting. 100 episodes.
1: Yeah, milestone for sure.
0: So yeah, listeners, uh, tune in for our 100th episode. We're going to probably go over our favorite episodes in the past so you guys can get sort of what we loved about our old episodes. All right, so on today's episode, we are going to be continuing with our Growing Up Disney series, And today we are looking at the Renaissance movies, uh, both animated and live action films. So Risa, this is more your period, right?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, When they say Disney Renaissance though, like that's a specific section of movies, like all animated and there's like certain criteria, Uh, but we're gonna cover the period of time during the Renaissance, not just the specific Renaissance movies.
0: That's right. Um, so, you know, they, they have these different ages that they relate to Disney animation and the Renaissance is particular to this 1989 to 1999 period. But we are going to be covering all the movies in this period just to keep with our growing up series, right?
1: Yeah. Well, we'll definitely point out which ones are part of the actual animated Renaissance though.
0: Definitely. So let's begin. Let's start with the animated uh, movies and the first one in this period is the little mermaid in 1989 so this was part of the renaissance uh movies uh what do you remember or like most about this movie Risa?
1: i love the music honestly um this was a turning point for for disney and um if you haven't had a chance to watch howard the documentary um on disney plus it would be a great uh, time to watch it it's kind of sad uh, because you know his story ends with you know an early untimely death due to um, being HIV positive, right. um, but the, his influence, along with Alan Menken's influence uh, within the Little Mermaid and within this time period, is it transcends like his his period on Earth. Like it, it's a legacy that definitely keeps on giving. Uh, it and it started with the Little Mermaid and all of the influence there. Um, in the in the documentary, he talks about how the heroine and any hero always needs a want song, and that culminated in um, part of your world.
0: So, do you do you think that that song, you know, set the tone for probably this whole Renaissance period? Do you think that that you know, coming up with the theme of the hero or heroine having a want really made made all the rest of the movies in this period have a formula. Do you you think this started it?
1: Yes, I definitely think that the influence of having that want, that drive, um, and then having like basically a a Shakespearean kind of structure of like a five-act play uh, definitely drove the Renaissance period. And it's still the kind of formula that we have today. Obviously there are different types of nuances that Disney animation is taking, such as with Frozen, there's not really a straightforward villain. Um, There are twists and turns. But the formula is pretty much straightforward throughout all of the, the Disney animated uh, s- stories. And it's also kind of uh, the same similar structure with um, any Broadway musical, which is why the Renaissance period, a lot of these musicals ended up becoming Broadway musicals.
0: Yeah. Even this first one, The Little Mermaid, it did too. It did. It, Although it was later.
1: Yes, it was much, much later than, say, Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. Um, but, and it didn't do as well, but there, are, you can still catch some musical, um, live action musical in, uh, what is it? Animal Kingdom?
0: Yes. Of, um, the Lion King. And, and, uh, and the Little
1: Mermaid, right? Or is no, that it's in Finding Nemo? Finding Nemo. So where's the, yeah, the, the Little Mermaid? Little Mermaid.
0: In Little Mermaid is, Hollywood Studios? Hollywood, yeah. That's right. Hollywood Studios. So. Although they said they're not bringing them back, which is sad.
1: It's sad, um, due to COVID, but we'll see in the long run what happens because, these are, are things that, you know, get you out of the line and, and whatnot, but the, the Little Mermaid itself is such um, an instrumental uh, movie w- within my childhood and like through high school too, because this was actually the movie that I ended up, uh, the Part of Your World was a song that I used to audition um, for my high school musical my senior year.
0: This was Into the Woods?
1: Yes. Uh, I ended up being cast as Little Red Riding Hood.
0: Nice. All right, so yeah, this this movie really shaped our childhood. It's like it was a year after I was born, but you know, we had the VHS, um, and then we would, you know, it, watch it a lot. And then, it, what what do you remember from childhood? That like, how did it shape you?
1: Um, just the music itself, uh, and and like the introduction of Flounder as a sidekick. Um, he was more of a sidekick than like the the other older princesses, um, he actually was there for Ariel, same with Sebastian and all of these different like animal friends, you know, helped the heroine or hero. Uh, and that's part of the Disney formula today. Uh, we look at Tangled and, and Rapunzel has Pascal. We look at, um, Frozen and, uh, there's Sven and Olaf is sort of a, a kind of animal ish thing.
0: (laughs) yeah magical creature now <laughs> He's
1: magical um, but yeah there's th- it's part of the formula of, of um, these newer movies as well So I-, I just loved the way that Little mermaid was in my childhood Clearly I didn't like think about Ariel as the character. We've discussed this in our um, the fairy tale series that we yeah, were talking series, about yep. Um, She's my least favorite princess overall, but the movie itself is such a solid movie and it clearly influences my, my, my life, not just my childhood because it, it, it it was a turning point for Disney animation without the little mermaid and without the influence of Alan Menken and um, Howard Ashman, we wouldn't have Disney animation as it is today.
0: Definitely. I agree with that. So one of the merch items that you mentioned here was flounder snow cone cup from Disney on ice. I, I remember that. So was there a reason why they were selling flounder? I don't remember why.
1: I don't know. I, I think it was just one of the the options that um, I you could choose from, and I chose flounder.
0: Okay. I guess you could get more snow cone out of it. Probably. It was like a big cup. I mean, he's
1: like a basically a big round ball of a fish. So. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right. So- Let's, uh, let's move to the next movie. The next one that we have here is in 1990, The Rescuers Down Under. We did have this on VHS and we've watched it in the past. I have a note that says it was the first animated feature film to use CAPS, which is the computer-aided system that they used to to animate. Do you have any childhood recollection of this movie?
1: Honestly, no. Um, I'm sure I've watched it. I just haven't revisited it, it in a long time. And I don't think we had any merchandise related to it other than the VHS. I believe you that we have it because you actually went to storage and saw that it was there. But I, oh, yeah. I really just don't remember it.
0: Yeah, I, I actually really love this movie. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it's because the kid rides on the back of that eagle. But <laughs> and I was like, wow, are eagles really that big that he can just ride on the back of an eagle? But it kind of it kind of reminded me of Fern Gully, too, because like there's a it, it's like they're trying to save the animals from poachers and yeah, it's it's a um, very uh, a very good one, I think. Uh, so let's look at the next movie, which is actually part of the Renaissance. Uh, I think, and it's,
1: th- the Rescuers is also considered part of it. It just I think you're right. It, I, think, I just I think it, it wasn't as commercially uh, successful as the other ones that we talk about, especially since it's not a musical.
0: Yeah, yeah, they didn't have that musical element to it. Of course, they have. Like a score and everything, but it's it's not a musical in the sense of a musical. So
1: yeah, and I I think it it struggled to be commercially su- successful because it was battling against an American tale. So all oh, right, yes. that that Don Bluth kind of uh, fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 was a tough one for them because it's like mice because the rescuers are mice and American Tale is about Fievel and he's a mouse. So
1: and that did have a musical element, a very good song. It Did.
0: Yeah, somewhere out there. That yeah, was a great such a song. great song. All right. So the next one we have is Beauty and the Beast. And that was in 1991. Uh, we had the VHS, we've watched it a lot. And uh, how did this shape your childhood?
1: You know, seeing a princess that was so well read, like being a princess, it was more of searching for adventure and, and getting out of her own, you know, mundane life that was kind of what she was searching for uh so she was a very influential princess to me and she was ba- basically a role model for a long time because i i didn't really watch these in order because clearly i was not born yet until 1991 so you know that the year it was released i'm i am just watching all of these on vhs so i just watched it out of order um i don't remember the order that i ended up watching them it, i don't think it really mattered but uh, I saw Belle as a better role model than Ariel for sure.
0: Okay. So, so yeah, she, she definitely was like a more developed uh, princess, definitely, yeah. than Ariel.
1: And I, I, I like the, the fact that her prince wasn't really a straight-up prince until the end.
0: Yeah, he didn't even act like a prince. He, yeah. he he's, he's really was a beast inside and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, I, I also really liked this movie and you could see that they did use the animated uh, i mean like the that caps computer aided in that ballroom scene mm-hmm. where you know they zoom and it's like you could see it's like 3D that was the that was really cool
1: you could also tell when they were like in the prologue when they zoom into the castle
0: yeah that too yeah so it was like early stages of that they didn't really have it down yet but i like how they imp- that they implemented it in this movie yeah so
1: the music here is on point as well, um, obviously, because you have Alan Menken and Howard Ashman again. Unfortunately, this was the turning point of when his, his disease started getting worse for Howard Ashman, but he was still able to finish the, the movie, and it this had, I think, six Academy Award nominations, and they won two out of it. So, And this is the first time an animated film was nominated for a Best Picture. So that that's clearly telling that Disney... F- Got their feet under them once again.
0: Yeah, this is the the part where it's just like, wow, now Disney's back, right? Yeah. This is their animation studio. is back to that um, Snow White level, you know? So uh, what did you, I mean, obviously we talked about the music. So what did you think about like having, say like Angela Lansbury sing the title song? What what did you think about that? Because I I hear that she wasn't really the strongest of singers.
1: Not anymore, obviously, um, because she was up in age already at that point. But watching her, because in in Howard, the the documentary, you get to see her recording Be Our Guest uh, with the voice of Lumiere. And you also get to see her singing in the recording booth. And they were saying that when she was singing as the Beauty and the Beast, a lot of people were, were moved by it because, you know, this is a legendary voice and seeing her be able to perform this in such a way was very moving to them. So I, I just, I love that they were able to get such a legend because we, we talked about how she was in part of Disney during the Dark Age movies. Um, so bringing her back to do something as great as Beauty and the Beast was, you know, full circle.
0: Yeah, I I did rewatch Knobs and Broomsticks recently, and she she was she sang there, so it's like you could tell that she got older, but the emotion was still there. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed her rendition. So yeah, I uh, for me, I I remember we put on Beauty and the Beast for my senior year in high school, and that was a, a good. I I liked being in it. It was it was a good experience. It was a great experience.
1: I think the the most amazing thing about beauty and the beast is that opening sequence with bell because it's, it's so Broadway. Like it's a, it's such a daring thing to do for a children's movie, particularly an animated children's movie, because you, you know, it's just a, the main protagonist is walking through the town and you barely get to get a feeling of her, but you sort of do be, through this, this song and through this interaction. And um, the way that Alan Menken and Howard Ashman, um, melded the songs with the narrative was very genius to me because they they use the the music the way that a Broadway musical will will do it where it's propelling the story forward and there's there's a point of of the song you know it's not just there because
0: yeah it was it was a great strategy I mean I you know you you would think that at the beginning where you you have this huge Broadway number the kids would be just confused or something but it was like you see everybody is singing and it's just like, what's going on here? And then there it's everywhere. yeah And it, you, you really get into the movie yeah. when you have something like that. It, I, I really enjoyed it.
1: It's a lot of action and it really, it really helps set the scene and the tone of the movie. And it's kind of funny because most musicals like live action musicals that are turned into movies don't typically work. But when it's translated onto animation, it doesn't feel as sticky. Because it already has that kind of feeling of cartoony, with a you know when you have like a live action movie musical where it kind of feels campy, this feels like it fits because it's already a cartoon, you know.
0: Yeah, it's something that you expect from a cartoon. It's like, yeah, this cartoon, this is a cartoon, so you gotta expect some whimsical thing where it's just like, oh yeah, everybody's gonna be singing in the town.
1: (laughs) Right, and it doesn't take you out of the the story. Unlike with a live action, where like say with Grease, where all of a sudden they're singing Grease Lightning, and it's like what?
0: <laughs> like where where did these guys come from? What why are they all singing? Yeah. <laughs> Is this a dream? What what's happening here?
1: Yeah. Why are they flying all of a sudden?
0: Yeah. Yeah. This one this one actually makes sense. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, some of the the merch that you had, you had a light up rose and the mirror, and then a chip in Mrs. Potts tea set. Do you uh, remember playing with that a lot?
1: Uh, yeah, I do remember playing with the Chip and Mrs. T- uh, Potts tea set a lot. Um, I think I played with the Beast Rose. It was like, I think I got it from Disney on Ice as well.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: But it was basically like this um, handheld light-up toy like you can get at uh, any Disney park where it has the jar- bell jar and the rose in the center. Um, and it would glow like green and it would change colors and stuff. And I would just like, you know, play around with it in the dark Um, the mirror had a a little switch where when you flip the switch, you would see the beast face in the center. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, I do. I remember that one.
1: Yeah, but that's pretty much it. I mean, I played more with the, the chip and Mrs. Potts tea set because like any, uh, kid girl, I would play with my stuffed animals and have a tea party.
0: Tea party. Okay. Okay. All right. So yeah, let's, let's, uh, move on to the next movie here. Uh, So we have in 1992, we have Aladdin and we had the VHS, of course, and we did watch it a bunch. So how did this shape your childhood?
1: So this is my all time favorite Disney movie like ever. Growing up, I don't know if it was my favorite. Honestly, I think it probably was Pocahontas. But as I grew older, it morphed into Aladdin. Part of it has to do with Lea Salonga uh, singing A Whole New World. Uh, another part of it has to do with just the story of Aladdin and the the character of Jasmine. Um, she's my favorite princess because, similar to Belle, she searches for um, a life outside of her own. But she they don't spend as much time on Jasmine as they clearly do with Belle because you know Beauty and the Beast. That's it's about Belle. Uh, and Aladdin is about Aladdin. Uh, but Jasmine, they still manage to develop her character and they still manage to show that she has a heart and she just wants to live her life and not be um, subject to a marriage she doesn't want. So I, I think that's why she's so appealing to me. She just wants her independence and to be able to make the choices that she wants to make.
0: So when, I think we talked about this, but when they did the live action Aladdin they did a lot of character development with Jasmine. Yes. and I think you mentioned that you really like that part, that they, they flushed, flushed her character out more, right?
1: Yeah, I, I thought that they should have just called it Jasmine instead of Aladdin because it's such a great uh, movie to tell her side of the story and it gives her a voice, um, especially the song
0: Speechless. Yeah, they totally added that into the movie and it worked. It really worked for her.
1: Yeah, I kind of wish that they took that approach with the Broadway musical as well, uh, because I did not enjoy the Broadway musical when I saw it.
0: Did you go and see it live, or yes, I I, that- I
1: watched it in bro- uh, like in the New Amsterdam Theater in
0: New York. Oh wow, nice! And you didn't really enjoy it as much as like the animated.
1: No, I think maybe they just changed too much. There was no Abu. There was uh, no carpet.
0: Was it the three friends?
1: Yeah, there were the three friends and. I didn't have the, the genie actor that, you know, won the the Tony.
0: The Tony? Okay.
1: And the original Aladdin wasn't there anymore. Uh, it was a matinee show, so maybe it was just the crowd, you know? It wasn't as, the energy wasn't really there. I definitely preferred The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast musicals over Aladdin, which is sad. Okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a newly developed musical, so I don't know. How much longer do you think they'll have a run? I don't think I think they're taking it off Broadway, right?
1: We'll see. I know Frozen was taken off recently yeah, too. Yeah, that, that was yeah. But yeah. I hope that they're not closed for good because I I didn't get a chance to watch it. But hopefully they'll tour at least when all of this is over.
0: Yeah, that would be nice to see a Frozen tour. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, this is also this is probably my favorite animated movie as well. Um, I really I really loved the story, and I think for me that my favorite character in there was genie because it was robin williams and he really he was so so like he had so much energy and and that's what i really liked about every character that he would bring to the screen it's just he would (laughs) he does a lot of impressions and it's just uh, ad-libbed a lot of it too and it's just wow it worked it really worked he was a comic genius i know yeah that was that's what i miss about not having him around it's just you know his comedy
1: it, was, it wasn't It was just like the shtick that he would bring. It was the timing and mm-hmm. the pace and just like his all-around presence. It would light up a screen.
0: Definitely. All right. So yeah, we had a lot of different merch for Aladdin. Um, Aladdin, Jasmine, Barbies, handheld video game, uh, toy lamp, costumes.
1: I think you also had the, the SNES game, right?
0: I did. That was a very hard cousin, game. <laughs> our cousin played it a lot and he... Uh, he tried to write down the co- the code every time there was, you know, to uh, every time you pass a level. Yeah. Write the code so that you can get back to that level. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't have save points back then. No, there.
1: they don't. And they were, man, do you remember getting stuck in the Cave of Wonders?
0: Yeah. That was, yeah, that was hard. It was a
1: crazy, it's a crazy
0: game. And the difficulty, there's like one difficulty hard. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next movie, still part of the Renaissance. It's going to be The Lion King and. 1994, and of course we had the VHS, and we watched it before. uh Actually, I think I said the Lion King is my favorite movie, Disney. Yeah, I so, think you did during so yeah. the top three. The top three, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna change it. It's gonna be the Lion King. <laughs> um, so, how did this shape your childhood?
1: I mean, it's the Lion King. How how does it not shape your childhood? You just scream out in the playground, Naswanya. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. Yes. And uh,
1: holding up stuffed animals like you're presenting Simba before you know <laughs> before I mean, everybody. They're
0: still, they're still making memes of that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I mean, like uh, Modern Family itself, they they uh, they made a a parody of that on their pilot episode where um, when Mitch and Cam um, adopt Lily, they do this whole big presentation of of uh, raising up Lily like like Simba. So. <laughs> It's it's The Lion King. It's iconic and it's probably the best uh Broadway show for for Disney that there is out there.
0: It's so good. It's so good. I mean, it's so good that they still have it on Broadway. I mean, I don't know, is it on Broadway or is it It's a tour. Yeah, it's it's a tour.
1: But yeah, it's it's such an iconic movie. Um you have Sir Elton John with the opening song and Can You Feel the Love Tonight. The music is just it's on point. It's it's sad that it that it's not Alan Menken but it's also not sad because you feel like you needed that production value that you get out of Elton John or Sir Elton right. John and um it's just such a beautifully animated movie being able to capture the landscape of Africa the way that they did um and being able to animate animals the way that they did is it's such a unique thing these animators were geniuses because you don't you wouldn't think that like Talking animals would present well on a big theatrical movie like that, but they made it work.
0: You mean like with emotion? Yeah, and all this stuff, the right? full yeah. because
1: that I think that's why the live action Lion King really didn't do as well in my book because it lacked that kind of emotion. Like the the vocal um, voiceover performances were really good too, the way that the original was, but it just the animation didn't capture the emotion the way that you know Simba when his when mufasa died you, you felt for this this animated um baby lion so you you wanted to just give him a hug kind of a thing
0: yeah i i feel like it suffers from that you know it's too realistic the the live action it's yeah. too realistic looking so they can't really put the emotion in the face of a of an animal when they're doing that but in the animated they could yeah. they could do whatever they wanted mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um i think what I really enjoyed about The Lion King was when the, the way that the animators brought in actual animals to see yeah. how they moved, uh, it it brings back when you know Walt and his animators would bring in animals for like Bambi, or like have the people acting out scenes from like Peter Pan and stuff like that. They would have them act first, and you'd see how they would act, and then they would do the animation based on what they're looking at.
1: Right, and it's kind of um, telling of of Disney now. Uh, that they actually go on research trips like the director and the producers and some key lead animators they all go on research trips so like when you if you watch into the unknown making of frozen 2 they actually go to norway and go to an iceberg and or glacier and see you know these landscapes that they're trying to animate and and capture the beauty of nature so it, it's Adding that realistic element of of showing the animators the way animals should move and the way that they act in the wild and whatnot, it, it really helped tell the story.
0: Yeah, it was, it was re- like I saw the behind the scenes and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. The way that they did that. So that's probably why it's my favorite.
1: Maybe. Yeah.
0: All right. So the next movie in this period is not really considered part of the Renaissance, but um, Actually, let's go back to the merch. We had we had the Nala and Simba stuffed animals. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then we also, I think I had the video game, the SNES video game. That one was hard too. I don't know what's with um, these SNES games, but they were so difficult.
1: I don't remember the actual SNES game, but I do remember a handheld, you know, the little that kind of were copying Game Boys, but there were like two buttons and the D-pad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that.
0: So the SNES game, they also had it on Genesis. It was like, I only got up to, I just can't wait to be king. And then I would die oh, like, every time. That's sad. It's very difficult. There's even like a portion where you're like riding on the, uh, the ostrich. And then you have to like jump and duck. And it's, it's, it's very difficult. <laughs> it sounds hard. All right. So let's move on to the next movie. 1995, not considered part of the Renaissance movies because uh, it was under a different uh, label uh, this is this is a goofy movie in 1995 we didn't have the VHS but we watched it a bunch I, I remember watching it at EDC a lot right well how did this shape your childhood
1: um powerline
0: <laughs> oh yeah
1: and uh just the goofy was always my favorite out of the fab 5 so this kind of added an element of him as a dad because I didn't really watch the older things when Max was first introduced. So seeing uh, Goofy as a dad of a teenager kind of helped me understand how Goofy has layers. He's not just some Goofy dog. He's actually a loving father that um, just wants the best for his son. I kind of lost respect for, for Max in this movie because I'm like, dude, your dad's just... He's cool and he's just trying to look out for you and here you are being some punk. So... But yeah, Powerline definitely uh the songs. This is a millennial cult classic now. It's it's a goofy movie.
0: Yeah, it's like people our age, you see them, you know, reminiscing about Goofy Movie and everything. It's
1: the leaning tower of cheesea, you know?
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that scene. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you know, 90s teen angst movies. Yeah. You know, they 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 had a lot of these live action teen angst movies um teen movies yeah so this was like that in an animated form
1: right yeah uh,
0: i that, uh, yeah <laughs> it, it's
1: such a it's such a fun movie um you have musical elements again um but then you also have like this journey when their car is floating down a river you're just like wait what <laughs> how is it still floating and how are you moving down a river like this
0: yeah exactly I'm just like wait wouldn't that sink yeah <laughs> But it's an, it's, you know, it's a cartoon (laughs) and it's it's funny. It's a cartoon. This is the Disney, the Disney cartoon portion, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, for me, I think for, for, in in terms of influencing my childhood, it's just like we watched it so much because they used to play it at extended daycare all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know, again, I don't know if they requested it a lot or it was just a favorite amongst us kids, but.
1: (laughs) No, I think it, I think it was your classmate. Um, I don't know if we should name his name, but
0: oh yeah, no, I know who you're <laughs> talking about. Yeah, no, he he loved that movie. Yeah, I mean, I, he 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 definitely memorized all of the the Disney movies, like line for word for word. Oh, it was but so this annoying. One was, but this one was just like particularly, he loved this this movie. So. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about the another movie released in 1995. This one was part of the Renaissance, considered part of Renaissance. Mm-hmm. It's Pocahontas, and we had this, and we watched it and uh, how did this shape your childhood?
1: I think we actually watched this one in theaters. Yes, we did. I don't remember going to theaters, but I remember watching this movie a lot. I can't watch it as an adult anymore. It's just too problematic for me. But as a child, um, this was my go-to movie uh, just because I would I loved the songs and especially Just Around the band. Uh, I would jump off of the couch, like the backs of the couches and, you know, (laughs) sing that as well as uh, Colors of the Wind. I would do the same thing. I was just always singing as a kid and uh, Pocahontas was no exception to that. Uh, And because I was about four when this was released, it's definitely always stuck with me. Like, like I said, I I can't watch it again as an adult. It's just, it's just too, too hard. (laughs) It's problematic.
0: Yeah. You know, but I mean, a lot of these old movies are problematic, you know, so it's like. Yeah,
1: yeah, but a a lot of these in the, in the Renaissance, except for Pocahontas, oh, and Hercules, I suppose, aren't that problematic, you know, there might be some elements, but they're kind of timeless.
0: That's why, that's why it's called the Renaissance period. Right. Because a lot of them, a lot of them really will stick. Yeah. For it, future generations,
1: it's like the golden age of animation. Um, back with Walt Disney, those are timeless movies. I mean, clearly there are some that are problematic that have been banned for for good. But this during this period, the the Renaissance, we grew up during a time that we were really blessed with with animation. Um, it it clearly shaped us and who we are because without these movies, I don't think we would be disners.
0: Yeah, and and there's there was a lot of advancement in animation as well. Speaking of, because the next movie in this period in 1995 was Toy Story, and even though it's not part of the Renaissance and it's a Pixar movie, this was like the first Pixar movie. Yeah, and it was completely 3D animation, which was something that we really hadn't had before—a mm-hmm. full-length feature film with full 3D. Yeah. Um. So. How did, how did Toy Story shape you? I know we mentioned we, we ranked all the Pixar films. Uh, how did this shape your childhood?
1: I mean, Toy Story, it's such a game changer because of the, the way that they animated. It, it started kind of like a downfall for 2D animation uh, just because so many people loved Toy Story. So many people loved all these other Pixar movies that animators started questioning whether 2D animation was sustainable and we kind of see that today where there's not much 2D animation, there's not much stop motion animation anymore. The majority is 3D animation. One because it's more efficient, two because, you know, it's visually appealing. You can make it semi-realistic and like that's why they were able to make The Lion King the way that the, that they did and the The Jungle Book the live action because of technology. So Toy Story as a film, like a story wasn't that great and wasn't that solid, but in terms of shaping my childhood, like it maybe dictated, um, the way that I viewed other movies, um, just because it it was different, like seeing your toys wake up and, um, interact with each other when you're not around. That's kind of like a child's imagination where you question, do my toys actually do that? Should I like keep a, a watch out of the corner of my eye? Um, so I kind of like it It sparked more of my imagination too as a kid.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I remember watching this in theaters and I was like, wow, what if toys could really wake up and they have their own lives when you're not around? You yeah. Know, it's just like, what do you do? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you start keeping your toys inside of, I don't know. Cause they get out of their containers and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's just like, wow. Um, it was really iconic for me. I think this was, I listed this one as my number one favorite Pixar movie because it was the first, I, I think it's because it revolutionized how we look at animated movies. We, we see less and less, um, 2d animated movies nowadays and more and more of the 3d, a majority of them are 3d. And, uh, now it seems like the 2D is reserved for television and it's not it's not really um uh, being used a lot in movies
1: which yeah. is kind of sad. Yeah, it is.
0: All right, so uh what what kind of mer- do you remember any merch having having any merch for Toy Story?
1: I think either you or I had a Woody doll and I definitely had a Buzz Lightyear and like some McDonald's toys that I think Zane still plays with.
0: Well, yeah, he also has his own too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Toy Story's been around and it's still around. So it's like up to my kid has Toy Story now, and it's because of Toy Story Four.
1: That's trippy. Mostly,
0: so it's like wow. When I was a kid, we had Toy Story, and now my kid has Toy Story. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's
1: really trippy. Um, especially with you know, like I'm like we're talking about with live action. There's new merchandise for uh Beauty and the Beast and Mulan, and you know these were in the Lion King, and these were all things that we had as kids, and now they're marketing towards us again, but for our kids.
0: It's kind of like you know. A circle, it, it comes back. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't fall out of fashion. That's that's how good these these uh, Renaissance movies were. Yeah. For us. Yeah. And for Disney. Mhm. All right. So let's uh, let's move on to the next movie. It was 1996, and we are talking about the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, we had the VHS on this. We also watched it. Uh, what did you think? How did this shape your childhood? The Hunchback.
1: Man, Frollo is one of the scariest villains there is. But I do remember. Meeting Quasimodo, Esmeralda, and watching the Hunchback show in Disneyland. I I, oh, yeah. forgr- I forgot to mention watching Beauty and the Beast and um Little Merm- and meeting the Little Mermaid in Disneyland and all that. But we we obviously did that too. But the Hunchback of Notre Dame is such an underrated Alan Menken movie. But he says that this is probably his greatest album soundtrack out of all of the Renaissance. Um, and I have really? to agree. Yeah, I have to agree. It It's such a, an emotionally moving soundtrack, um, especially when Esmeralda sings about um, God, what is it, God bless the children or something like that. Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And when- The,
0: the, the downcast or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right?
1: God bless the downcast. And then when Quasimodo is singing, um, was it, some there. Da, da, I think it's ha, out, out there. Yeah, probably. out there. Yeah that song is so moving and it, i don't know it's it's a victor hugo who also wrote les mis uh the the book it it it's this french stuffy book that they turned into um such a great animated movie and frollo isn't some super powered villain but he's so he's like the embodiment of evil and, like, the way that they showed this and the the different notes that they hit, it's such a great movie that it, it doesn't get enough credit.
0: I, I wonder why it, it doesn't get the credits, due. It was, maybe it's because of the theme. It was kind of Too dark. religious and too dark. Yeah. 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 Too religious and too dark, like, both at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I
1: mean, he he sings of Hellfire, so
0: <laughs>
1: it's kind exactly. of, it is dark.
0: It's just like, and then, you know, and- Quasimodo wasn't an attractive main character, right? Yeah. And then you have his sidekicks, which were gargoyles. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't really cutesy animals or something like that. So I, I feel like a lot of kids didn't really connect that much to this movie, but it really was a good movie.
1: It's ironic though, because Gargoyles, the series actually did really well.
0: It did. Yeah. I remember watching that was a good one. Yeah. But those gargoyles were like, Full on, full size humanoid gargoyles. Yeah, not like the the ones that were only half gargoyles in the Hunchback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they wanted to make them like funny and cute, but they weren't. No, <laughs> they, weren't. They, they just weren't. weren't.
1: But it, like I'm saying, this is a great movie, and I do remember having um, fun watching the the show in Disneyland. Unfortunately, they didn't have full cover. So if you didn't get a good seat, you were just baking in the sun the whole time unlike with the Beauty and the Beast show where it was like at the the where Mickey and the Magical Map is now so you have way more cover.
0: Yeah, yeah, this one was the the Festival of Fools and that was out Where was it out again? It was like the by the Big Thunder area. Yeah, the
1: Big Thunder Ranch which is not there anymore because it's now Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you had a Esmeralda costume, you said, this year? I did.
1: Yeah. I don't remember, like I don't know if I have pictures of it. I definitely have the picture of us in Aladdin and Jasmine. It's right. on my fridge. But I think the Esmeralda costume was my last time that I um dressed up for Halloween. Oh, for
0: Halloween? Yeah. Okay.
1: As a kid, anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, as a kid. That's the last time they took you out for trick-or-treating or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, let's talk about the next movie. We have 1997 Hercules. So, how did this shape your childhood?
1: I mean, I definitely learned, well, sort of learned about Greek <laughs> mythology um, as much as you could with uh, a, a kid-gloved take on Greek mythology, because you can't you can't show children, you know, the true story of Hercules and the feats that he did, and you know what his parentage actually was. Zeus and Hera did not see eye to eye in actual Greek mythology. so you know, as a kid, it kind of was it it was a fun movie to watch and um I still enjoyed meeting Hercules and when he does show up in the parks, it's very rare, but he's he's really fun to meet as well cause since he's a face character
0: right yeah, exactly. And then a lot of times he's not really in that that buff bodysuit. he's like actually buff he's yeah <laughs> he was
1: actually buff so. I remember meeting him, um, and we have a picture. Uh, you, he had you flex with him.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, I remember that.
1: And I was just like staring up at him, like
0: because he's buff. Yeah, right? like, he was buff. buff I'm like,
1: whoa. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so yeah, that I really enjoyed meeting that the Hercules there. He yeah. Was, um, did did he have Meg with him too? Sometimes I, I feel like he did. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes he, she was out there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, what I really liked about Hercules was obviously the music. Because, yeah. you know, they, they did this gospel thing mm-hmm. uh, with the muses. And Hercules is, was a great, great movie. so <laughs> Yeah,
1: also another great Alan Menken movie. Um, he felt like he... When I, I watched the one-man show with Alan Menken, um, he was saying that he just wanted to take a new spin on um, his music. And it kind of dated back to his Little Shop days where he wanted to show, like, you know, the Motown feel with the muses. So... That's where we right. got the the gospel soul type of thing with a Greek movie, <laughs> so.
0: So he was just like on a he was just like on a on a kick there where yeah, he's just, you know, writing this type of music. So okay, let's throw this in there. <laughs>
1: yeah, and unfortunately, it's like the last time we hear from him for a while.
0: Yeah, they don't get him to do more movies until what was it?
1: I think Tangled. Tangled? Well, Enchanted or technically, Enchanted. where he's making fun of himself and then Tangled. That's that's
0: kind of that really is unfortunate. Yeah. We kind of like lost him there. Where'd he go?
1: (laughs) He made enough enough Oscars, I guess.
0: Yeah, that he can just, you know, coast for a while. He's an
1: EGOT winner. So, you know, give a chance to the other composers.
0: Yeah, exactly. So that started with the next movie where he wasn't in, uh, or he didn't write in, uh, which would be in 1998. And that's Mulan. And we had the VHS for that. And we watched it a bunch as well. So what did you, how did this shape your childhood?
1: One of my most distinct memories is um, accidentally misquoting Mushu to you. Oh um, yeah, what do, did, do what you,
0: did you, how did you quote?
1: <laughs> do you remember me doing this? We were we were fighting and instead of me saying dishonor, I said damn, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, damn your cow.
0: <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, and this is
1: 1998, um, so I'm like damning you even though I'm like only seven years old, so. <laughs>
0: Like, do you even know what that means? No, I did not know what that meant clearly,
1: um, oh, but I picked that up somewhere.
0: Where did that come from? I have man. no idea. <laughs> oh, not from Mulan.
1: No, no, it's dishonor. So don't get that wrong.
0: Dishonor <laughs> on your cow. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. Um. This is another great movie. I honestly consider this the end of the re- Renaissance, even though technically Tarzan is. But Mulan, it was just. It was another movie that we finally got representation. Um, I mean, Pocahontas sort of had representation for for Native Americans, but it was, I mean, they weren't happy with it because it wasn't the correct portrayal. Whereas with Mulan, you could actually feel that they did their research and they tried to be culturally sensitive about these things. I mean, clearly there were still some problematic things, but they did did more digging than they did with, say, Hercules, where you know Greeks can take offense to that as well. But with Mulan, for me, I, I mean, I'm I'm not Chinese, so I don't know. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to to say how inaccurate it was. But for me, seeing an Asian and and hearing an Asian woman, Ming Na, um, she she did such a great portrayal. And then having Lea Salonga sing for for Mulan, um, having that representation was important. Uh, because we didn't have a lot of Asian role models when we were growing up. And to see an Asian story be portrayed in an anim- a Disney animated film, that's definitely um, a landmark for
0: us. I really like how they used Ming-Na Wen as the voice of Mulan, considering that she was in Joy Luck Club. And that was a big representation movie for us, too. Since right. you know, it takes place in San Francisco and you know, Asian-American community. Mm-hmm. So... Mulan, yeah, sure, that was a that was a great that was a great movie. I think for just getting us uh, as Asian Americans on the map, right. But I do I do recognize there were a lot, a lot of inaccuracies and there were. whatnot the way the way they told the story and they redid it to make it like Disneyfied mm-hmm. and
1: which is I kind of appreciate the the live action that they tried fixing it. But again, I I would have preferred if that were uh, a Chinese uh, director to to get that more authentic kind of um, perspective. Uh, It it would feel more authentic to have, you know, a writer and also a director from the Chinese heritage, similar to like with Crazy Rich Asians, where you have a director, a writer from those heritages and the author is there um, helping them, like consulting to make it a, a, a really authentic feeling movie, so it would have been I would have appreciated it a lot for the live action as well if they if they did that. Um, but clearly Disney was trying to right some wrongs that they they had with the animated movie, but it kind of missed the mark with the live action because we discussed it yeah. in a different episode. But still, this was a landmark uh, milestone for us in the representation column.
0: So. Uh, in terms of merch you said you have a, a Mushu toy. Yeah. You, was it like a stuffed toy or Yeah, it was like a stuffed a toy
1: and um I probably had some pins and um I think I don't know. I have I've have a lot of Mulan things now as an adult. Okay. I don't remember if they were from childhood <laughs> or if I bought them recently. So
0: It's all it's all uh mixing together now. Yeah. It's all know, blurring you know, together. When you, get, when you get older, when you get older it's just like I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anymore.
1: But yeah, Mulan is. If she were actually a princess, she would probably be my favorite. But I don't consider her a princess.
0: Oh, she, even if Disney does.
1: Yeah, even if Disney does, she's a- not technically a princess. So I'm like, mm, sorry, Nell, she's not a princess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I mean, your favorite would still be Jasmine, right? Even if it was, uh, even if she was included, or would you really switch to Mulan?
1: I mean. Like I'm saying, representation. So, <laughs>
0: okay, okay.
1: And it's still Leia Salonga. So there's that.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: If she had married a prince, or if she herself were royalty, I would consider her a princess. But she's even better than a princess, where she's the heroine of China. So she should be in her own category. The way that Anna and Elsa are not part of the princess uh, thing.
0: That's kind of strange because I mean they started out as princesses. Like, what's going on with that? <laughs> Who Anna and Elsa? Yeah, yeah, they didn't add them to the canon. They
1: didn't because of the fact that they have their own franchise.
0: Oh, they didn't want to lump them in and make them take the spotlight from the other princesses. Correct. (laughs) Okay, I see. I see what they did there. Yeah, because they're so big. It's like they're their own thing. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, the, the next two movies on this list aren't really considered part of the Renaissance, but they are in this period. So we've got A Bug's Life in 98 and then Doug's first movie in 99. Anything you remember from either of these that, you know shaped your childhood at all
1: i just remember a bug's life we ended up watching this in new jersey
0: yeah i remember that our uncle took us
1: yeah it's a fun pixar movie it's it's not toy story but it it's it's a good movie it's better than ants
0: yeah it was better than ants those were released around the same time the the thing i i always wondered about bug's life was how come the ants only have four limbs and the grasshoppers have six what's going on here you know are they shrunk down people or something? Let's
1: uh, let's turn back to the Pixar theory there. Yeah, Pixar theory, <laughs> exactly. Listen to that series.
0: Yeah, go back, guys, go back. So yeah, Doug's first movie, that's that's the one about Doug, Doug Funny.
1: I don't remember <laughs> watching this. I don't this. even know.
0: I, I, didn't, I, I do remember watching it, but I don't remember the movie. It's just, nah. <laughs> I mean...
1: Honestly, the Nickelodeon Doug series was way better than the ABC slash uh, Disney series. So.
0: Oh, that's right. It was on Nickelodeon first. Yeah, that's and right. then it that's ended right. up
1: on one Saturday morning, with with Pepper like Ann they, and
0: all that. Yeah, and recess and mm-hmm. all those. But like, how did it went from Nick to ABC? That's
1: <laughs> Nick dumped it. I don't know.
0: They should have kept it. That was that was an iconic one.
1: Yeah, the showrunner on Nick was way better than the one on ABC.
0: Yeah, yeah. But they did retain Rugrats. They so. did. All right. So the next one is the next movie is part of the Renaissance and we're talking about Tarzan. Um we did own the VHS and we watched it. So what uh are your memories from childhood from from Tarzan here?
1: My most vivid memory regarding Tarzan is probably Tarzan's treehouse, which they opened Oh, you mean a- when they
0: redid the when they redid the thing the uh Swiss Robinson, Robinson one?
1: Yeah, so in Disneyland to replace uh to promote Tarzan the movie, um, they changed this was Family Robinson Treehouse to Tarzan's Treehouse, and um, I was really into music as a kid, and I mean I still am. But uh, the scene with the the trash trashing the camp, I just love it because it's so percussive and it's so unique. Where you're making music out of pots and pans and breaking dishes and whatever. Um, so that's probably my favorite part of Tarzan's treehouse, where it's actually an interactive little play area for kids where you get to make music.
0: So I was I was watching our um, whole movie and then you know like I did that um, reaction to it video and then um, we went to the tree house and when we got down there, there was a, a snake, uh, a cast member handling a snake.
1: A real I snake? Was
0: like, yeah and I was like, is Risa gonna touch the snake? And then you touch the snake. <laughs> And then I was like, am I going to touch the snake? And then I touched the snake and I was like, wow, we actually pet the snake? <laughs> he, do,
1: you, do you remember in school, we actually had like uh, reptile handlers come in?
0: Yeah, it was kind of like that. I uh, had except a, they had it at Disneyland. Yeah, I, I like, had a bow wow. constrictor
1: like draped on my on my shoulders at one point.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was it was also a, a, like a ball python. Or it was a smaller one mm-hmm. that, they, uh, that they had at, at Disneyland. But wow, I was like, wow, we touched the snake. That was crazy. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 was I really liked Tarzan. I liked the music because Phil Collins did the soundtrack there and it was just very Phil Collins. It was know? very <laughs> Phil Collins.
1: It, it was um, definitely stronger than Brother Bear.
0: Lo- lots of lots of drum solos. Yes. <laughs>
1: but you'll be in my heart, man. That's that's a, a song.
0: Yeah, I really that was a emotional, you know, you, you feel the connection. Between the uh, the ape and, and Tarzan, there. Mm-hmm. All right. So, last last animated one here is Toy Story 2. So, it's the sequel to Toy Story. It's not part of the Renaissance, but it is a Pixar, and we love that movie. What do you think about this? Did you enjoy this more than Toy Story 1?
1: Oh, definitely. This, the story is way stronger, and they introduce Jesse and Bullseye. Um, and you get another side of Buzz where, you know, he's not <laughs> this manic toy that thinks that he's a space ranger. Um, but he actually formed the bond with Woody. So I loved this movie so much, especially the Jessie scene um, when she's the montage. When when somebody loved me, that is the saddest Disney song ever.
0: Yeah, it definitely was really sad. Um, but the movie itself was really good. Yes, I, I really love that movie. Top tier. I think um, so. There was one time I was driving. Uh, if you remember, our, our aunt she has a band, It was a, it's a Sienna, right? And they have the the uh, DVD player in the back. They were playing Toy Story 2, so the kids in the back were were watching it. And then I was in the front, but I could hear the the thing, and I was like laughing along. I, I could I was like picturing the movie in my mind, like what was happening while I was hearing the dialogue. So I was like, I know where, exactly what's happening. <laughs> it's like, you watched it's like it so much. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm watching it without actually watching it. Yeah. So. It was. It's that good.
1: <laughs> I packed your crazy eyes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. All right. So yeah, those were all of the the Renaissance films that are actually considered Renaissance films. Well, you know, we even went through the the other animated ones. So we have live action ones in this period. Are there any that really shaped your childhood? We can just like touch on those. Anything that you that sticks out in your head off of this list of like 50, 52 movies, of uh, anything that sticks out.
1: Right off the bat, probably the the Mighty Ducks series.
0: Mighty Ducks series, the whole series. Yeah,
1: and then the Santa Claus.
0: Oh, I love the Santa Claus, especially this time of year. It's like I want to watch all the Santa Claus movies. Right, you know? right. <laughs>
1: um, apparently, there was <laughs> something from Jungle to Jungle that I repeated in that in oh. that stupid <laughs> vlog that we had as kids. Uh, yeah. I don't remember it honestly, uh, but it's on film. <laughs>
0: And you, yeah, and you, you keep saying it. It's like,
1: yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, don't so, remember watching that movie. Like, I don't have any memory of that movie. It's like been scrubbed from my brain.
0: It's like how did how did you come up with it? I, right? other I than, don't know. <laughs> then you watched the movie. Yeah, I watched <laughs> the movie
1: clearly, but I don't remember watching it.
0: That was such an obscure line, too. The, yeah. the nice poochie poochie line. It's one line. Because I watched that film recently because I was like, I was so interested because I wa- re watched that vlog and I was like, where did she get this from? Yeah. And then I, I re watched the movie, one line, and it's very short. It just one line. It's like a one liner. Nice poochie poochie. And then you know she's like, get out, get out of the room or whatever. <laughs> And And it's like, wow, you got that from that line? I probably <laughs> thought it was hola-
1: a h- hilarious sounding word, you know?
0: I think you did, <laughs> you
1: know. So I just kept and repeating obviously it.
0: obviously, he was making it up too, because that's not—it's really not a thing. Language. Like it's not a thing.
1: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure like Disney vetted that, and they're like, you need to make sure that this is not something that we're saying that's you know means something else. So.
0: Right. Exactly. But it's just <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't know.
1: You know, children, they just pick up the, it happens with Zane. When you say something like just offhand and off cuff and he starts repeating it and you're like, wait, I didn't mean for you to start repeating that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's the thing with with kids, right? They'll, they'll think something's funny and then they'll just start. Yeah. They just,
1: (laughs) I was probably fascinated with the word and you know, it just stuck.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Exactly.
1: I also, um, speaking of Robin Williams, I, I remember Flubber, and it it was such a great movie, super hilarious. One Hundred One Dalmatians. This is the live action, obviously with Glenn Clo- yep. Close. Glenn Close. Uh, yes. But I actually remember watching One Hundred Two Dalmatians more than One Hundred One.
0: That was the one with the Dalmatian that didn't have the spots yet, right? Yeah. And she like wanted that that Dalmatian so mm-hmm. bad. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm like, then just get a white dog. What is wrong with you?
0: <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: Who's gonna know the difference? Um yep. and obviously we talked about this in Lindsay Lohan um The Parent Trap.
0: Parent Trap. Yeah. We did watch that a lot too, I watched EDC, it I,
1: so much.
0: And I mean they even they even a lot of it took place in Napa, so it's like local to us. Yeah, yeah
1: I feel it's like crazy. that might have been why we watched it a lot.
0: It's like cuz it's one of those movies like you can relate cuz we're from this area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: We're like, "Oh, th- we live there around there right. anyway."
0: Yeah, we live around there. Yeah.
1: And I do remember Inspector Gadget, but it wasn't. I, I just I remember being really annoying about things and being like, "Go, go, gadget! This, go, 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 gadget! That" type of thing.
0: This is the one with Matthew Broderick, right? yeah, as, as Inspector. Yeah. Oh man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I was just a really annoying kid. I don't know how our
0: parents <laughs> put up with me. <laughs> I don't know. I, kids get annoying, but you know, you still love them anyway, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I remember watching a kid in ki- King Arthur's Court, but that was more of because. Um, that was a movie that played a lot at our dentist office.
0: Oh, yeah. That and like Mighty there. Ducks
1: played a lot at our dentist
0: office. So Angels in the Outfield. Oh, that too. That was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right?
1: Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. Wait, that was a Disney That's movie? Crazy.
0: Was, yeah. There you go. In 1994, Angels in the Outfield. Hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that too. Yeah.
0: Pro- George of the Jungle. You remember that with Brendan Fraser? Yeah.
1: George, George, George of the Jungle. <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol was probably is probably my favorite telling of the A Christmas Carol.
0: Yes, I always love when the Muppets do a retelling of of stories like that. Yeah, like they did Muppet Treasure Island. I love that too.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember it as much as a Chris, the Muppets Christmas Carol, though.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with you though. That's probably my favorite version of a Christmas Carol. It's Muppet Christmas Carol. It's just so good. Yeah. It's iconic.
1: So speaking of Alan Menken, Newsies. Um, yeah, that, that was in there. That was um, a box office bomb, but it turned into a cult classic and it's one of the highest performing um, Broadway musicals that Disney has to date. So it, I don't know. Same thing with Hocus Pocus. It's kind of a cult classic too, but a lot of people latched onto Hocus Pocus.
0: Did uh, Kenny Ortega direct Newsies? He was the director, right? <sighs> I feel like he was the director of that.
1: Didn't he direct Hocus or was he Pocus? Choreographing?
0: I don't know. I thought it was Newsies.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he did both.
0: Maybe he did both. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Ortega. He's just, he just you know, Disney guy. You
1: yeah. Know. Disney legend now.
0: Yeah, exactly. We were there for his induction. Yeah.
1: Right? I'm like, it's about time, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, blank check. Do you remember that? Do you no. remember the No. Oh, the kid? yes, I do. Macintosh. Mr. Yes. Macintosh. I do. I do remember that.
1: <laughs> Um, I also remember Cool Runnings.
0: Cool Runnings. Oh, I love that yeah. movie. I love that movie. So around this time too, like Disney Plus, they're promoting all their, their Christmas movies and like they promoted uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's got Jonathan Taylor Thomas and and Jessica Biel. Oh, <laughs> <It's> like, wow. <laughs> so I started watching it and I fell asleep and I was like, oh no, now I have to go and watch it.
1: Again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, um, oh, James and the Giant Peach. We watched that yes. a lot at EDC and that was Disney's Foray into Stop Motion outside of um Nightmare Before Christmas. But that technically wasn't Disney, right? It was Nightmare just Nightmare Before Christmas? It was distributed by by one of their side. It wasn't actually their Disney title, right?
0: Oh, wow. I think. I think I think so because it should be on this list. It should <laughs> be. <laughs> you know, if it if it was a Disney, but I I remember they they have the rights to it now. Mhm. So <laughs> So, it, it, they must own it, <laughs> yeah, it was
1: it was the production company was Touchstone, and okay, it was okay. distributed by Buena Vista,
0: so it's a it's un, under Disney, but not like not technically a Disney Disney film. yeah, Disney film,
1: which makes sense because okay. it's kind of dark for, you know, for Disney,
0: but that but everybody loves it. yeah, and they even get an overlay at Disneyland. Yes, so. they do. <laughs> I don't know. i I never really liked it that much. I don't know why.
1: I don't know. Zane watched it.
0: I was surpri-
1: I was surprised that he wasn't scared by Oogie Boogie.
0: Yeah, Oogie Boogie. He's a scary villain. He is. All right. So, any uh, anything else here that uh, that stuck out to you?
1: No, not really? not really. I mean, I remember watching a bunch of these um, movies, but like I haven't revisited them in a very, very long time.
0: Did you uh, Did you ever watch Tom and Huck? That also had Jonathan Taylor Thomas.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't remember that. It's just you know, is that like, Hucklebit? Yeah. Is it like a modern telling of it or something?
0: No, I think it I think it actually was set in that time.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: But yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a big was really big until he wasn't. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that was that was pretty much the period where we were like our formative years, you know, like the 90s. Yeah.
1: The 90s. Late 80s, early 90s to, you know, 2000, I suppose. Um, but yeah, the this time period was You know, when we we're children and growing up and right before Y2K. So that was a a trippy time, but it it kind of shaped us as Disney nerds.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And then especially with our family trips like every year to Disneyland during this time period, it kind of just like solidified becoming Disney nerds. Right.
1: Yeah. Just being able to actually interact with all these characters like today. You were going through your autograph book, and it was it was so crazy being able to see all of the names that we got to interact with because you know in the two thousands they they started peeling away from having free roaming characters, and it kind of made me really mad. So in high school, I wrote an angry letter to Disney saying, you know, bring them back. Um, obviously, with the ones that are too you don't want them to get bombarded by have those scheduled appearances, but allow the lesser known characters to to free roam once again, because it, it adds to the experience. Like you're in a different world where you get to interact with, with people from your, from your movies.
0: Do you think they took that to heart and started doing that again? Do you think that's, that started happening?
1: I think, I think so. Yeah. Um, obviously right now they can't do it. Uh, they have to say hi from afar, but the introduction of character handlers definitely helped with the crowds and, um, especially with the fur characters where they can't talk to you and say, you know, back off, you're, you're in my crotch. <laughs> so yeah, this is the, I'm, I'm very happy that they started allowing the, the characters to free roam, especially like the, the, like Peter Pan and the st- evil stepsisters and all the other face characters that they can talk to you and have fun with you.
0: That's 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 really cool that they they had they have that, and they even I mean the handlers was a good that was a good addition because I remember going watching back on those old videos that we had from our home movies. It's like you see the crowd just crowding around everybody, all the characters. Yeah. And then it's like whose turn is it? Whose turn is it next? There's no line. There's no organization until they started adding the attendance and then they'll organize the line for for you, right? Right. So yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, anything else about this period that you remember or that you, that you take from it?
1: Yeah, Um. it's it's such a great time period and if if you haven't had the chance to watch any of these movies, uh, you should. Especially the live action. Even though like the animated films shine so much, there are little gems within these live actions like with Rick Moranis and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and the follow-up ones. Obviously, Bette Midler and Hocus Pocus and all of these different, um, gems that help people become who they are today. You know, it, it's such a formative time in our lives, uh, and you, you kind of get to understand the way millennials are today just by watching these movies.
0: <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. So th- this period was like, if you ever watch the like the VH1 I Love the '90s, it's like these these are iconic movies that kind of show what's going on at the time. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's a uh, definitely a time capsule. And people love the '90s so much that I Love the '90s had a part two.
0: Yes, (laughs) so part two. (laughs) Yeah, like
1: that's how how important the '90s were to to people. I mean, like for those people in the in the I Love the '90s, they were clearly like teenagers. So they're the older millennials. We're the younger millennials. That we were the last bit of like before the um, internet hit, you know, as a as a big thing. So we were like that edge of the digital age. So. It it's, it's definitely a time capsule, and you definitely get to see within the live action, particularly different things and the the advent of technology.
0: I I like being at the the end part of the millennials because it's like we we got to experience the advent of the internet as well as the rise of the internet, and now we're adults with all this technology. Right? Well, it's yeah. Like, so we don't have a hard time adjusting to it. Yeah. And we can accept the that the technology is advancing at the pace that it's advancing at, right?
1: Right. But it was also um, an interesting time growing up because we still got to have that feeling of playing outside and disconnecting from, from all of that. I remember sitting on the phone with my friends from school to do homework, you know, a three way call and you're like, get off the oh, phone. Get off the phone. I'm trying to get on the internet. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, the party line! Yeah, I remember that. It's just like, oh yeah, you're trying to do schoolwork. I'm trying to work here. <laughs> yeah,
1: get off the phone. So we ended up getting a second phone line to so that dad could dial up and and connect to the internet.
0: And then he had that DSL mm-hmm. dedicated DSL line too. Like, yeah, man, <laughs> just for the internet. Yep. Oh, Those were the man. days. And then like AOL and all that. But still, that's <laughs> that's all this all this culture that we had. Yeah,
1: so. it was it was a great time growing up, getting to see the transition and and. Basically, the escalation and the change, especially in the, the early 2000s, you saw like Blackberry and all of a sudden you have iPhones and you're like, wait, what?
0: Yeah, what happened? The different iterations <laughs> of all of the
1: iPods, you get like the the brick and then you go to, I remember you backing um, Sony mini discs. You swore by it.
0: You're, oh, I love you're like,
1: oh, these MP3s, they're going to die out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I oh, was like, how wrong you were. <laughs> but I mean, like Sony... Has all this proprietary stuff, and I should have known that because you know they come up with all these proprietary different things. If if you remember, like Betamax, Mm -hmm. that's like competing with VHS, but VHS was the king, right? Yeah, it's kind of like that. So I should have known from from that. They
1: they won with Blu-ray.
0: Oh, that's true. That is true. So, however, everything's going digital now, so doesn't even matter. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But yeah, like even even with things like you know, like you'll buy you'll buy into their their camera series, right? But then their batteries are proprietary. Yeah. And their, their menus are different than everybody else's. Like even their PlayStations, like you know, it doesn't work well. It only works doesn't even work with itself. I mean, <laughs> PS
1: two still the best.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, so yeah, that's yeah, that's why I, that's why I go back to main disc. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You back that mini disc? That's so hilarious. You're like, oh, MP3 players. It's not gonna work. But then all of a sudden, hard drives started expanding, getting smaller and smaller.
0: Yep. So. Yep.
1: That's why mini disc died.
0: Yeah, and everything is now, you know, streaming. So
1: streaming on the cloud. It's it's crazy. So like kids out there, appreciate the technology that you have today, but also look back and appreciate, you know, the forebearers of the technology, and don't be like. The Titanic was just a movie <laughs> <laughs> because it was a real event. <laughs>
0: oh, man. Leonardo DiCaprio did not die. No.
1: <laughs> there was no Rose, no Jack, but it was oh, a real great. event. <laughs> and Y2K was a hoax.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, you're right about, you know, being able to step back and, and go outside and play. I feel like, you know, kids should do that today now. But... After the pandemic. <laughs> yeah.
1: But honestly, I feel like with the bombardment of technology right now as it is, and the the fact that people and parents our generation are seeing how kids, the iPhone generation, have grown up, I feel like they're trying to disconnect kids a little bit more and trying to force them to, to play outside and appreciate the great outdoors again. Because of, of the way that, you're raising your kids with all of this technology and the information overload type of thing. Because we also see like a lot of millennials these days, they're not on social media as much as, as before, it's particularly with Facebook. It's beca- it's it's morphed, you know? Either they've moved to, to Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Um, Twitter is not really as, it's more of a celebrity, inter- celebrity interaction type of thing or a political thing. Facebook is more of like, catching up with your old high school friends or whatever. But Instagram is more of your personal thing and TikTok is more of a, like a fun thing. But I feel like it's more of the iPhone generation posting on there than us. So right. I feel like there are parents in, of our generation trying to pull kids away from those screens.
0: So it's like a second renaissance period. Maybe. Kind
1: of. I feel like it's it's that nostalgia where, you know, they're like, we used to be able to go outside. Why can't kids these days?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's coming back. We'll see. Like, like everything comes back.
1: Yeah. It's full circle. Nothing new.
0: (laughs) Exactly. All right. So, uh, anything you want to say to our listeners here to close the episode?
1: Yeah. Thanks for hanging in with us on, um, the Renaissance period. It was definitely one of the ones that I was looking forward to talking about growing up Disney because it was the meat of my childhood really. And, um, Thanks for listening and I hope you appreciate it. Sorry for the long hiatus, but hopefully you continue to listen and support us.
0: Yeah, so I want to thank you listeners for tuning in today. And we picked up with this uh, series at the Renaissance time when we were kids. So hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to us and I hope you tune in again for next time when we get to episode 100 of the podcast. So on behalf of Rissa, I'd like to say keep your watches, synced to Disney time. See ya.
1: Bye.